They didn't realize we were seeds. They didn't realize you were seeds. They open doors so others can walk through them. Your legacy is every life you have ever touched. I'm Stella Sagliari and this is Salt the Podcast. Welcome to Salt the Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today is Cordelia Gaffar. Cordelia is the Emotions Opener Transformation Strategist, guiding leaders to use their darkest and most difficult emotions to show up powerfully as courageous leaders. 2020 was a year of very difficult conversations surrounding diversity, equity, belonging, and inclusion in the workplace. And Cordelia has been at the forefront of facilitating these conversations on an organizational level. In 2021, along with award-winning Berlin-based co-hosts Mira and Peter Griffith, she created the Unlearning Labels podcast and workshops to help organizations to implement actionable tools and change policies. Cordelia is also a force in amplifying women's voices, an awarded top national influencer, inducted into the Global Library of Female Authors. Her new book, Detached Love, Transforming Your Heart So That You Can Transform Your Mind, highlights her Replenish Me process, which is self-leadership surrounding practicing sustainable mindfulness. Her other awards include Best Podcast Host of 2019 for her free-to-be podcast, Volunteer of the Year and Best-Selling Co-Author of America's Leading Ladies Who Positively Impact the World with Oprah Winfrey and several other dynamic women. Even with all her accolades, her biggest brag is being a homeschooling mom of six children. Welcome, Cordelia. Welcome to Soul the Podcast. I'm very happy that you're here with us today, and I'm looking forward to our conversation. I'm excited to be here, Stella. I, I've been waiting for this Friday, like, forever. <laughs> oh, I'm very happy to hear this. So let's start with who is Cordelia? Tell us a little bit about yourself. That answer keeps changing every time I'm asked. So who is Cordelia? Um, you know, um, today I, I feel like I'm the lightness that wants to connect and be grounded with the presence of the earth. And that just means my soul self wants to, to emerge more because I feel that's my true self. I've been so much in my human self and in my head and focusing on all the to-dos and, you know, what's appropriate. And now I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm more in the space of possibility, potential, and what, what does loving me look like and what does being in my truth look like. I think we will uh, continue on that path because <laughs> I want to read a, a part from from a book or from a chapter in a book, actually, where, where you contributed to. The book is called America's Leading Ladies. And um, in that book, it says, or you you write, life prepares us for blessings through opportunities 
to better understand gratitude. My emotions occupied my very being and held me captive for a long while. Finally, I came to terms with the fact that nothing would change unless I did. I resolved to change things. I began studying the symptoms of unresolved grief. I had them all. The curved posture, the rounded shoulders, the slouched back. The heaviness of sadness sends alerts throughout the body to protect itself. That's when inflammation takes root in the fat cells and the lymphatic system. I think already what you shared about yourself shows that a lot is happening. And I've been following you for a while. And actually, I, I want to share this with my audience. Um, we were both a part of a summit last year. And when I saw your photo without knowing your name, where you're from, what you're all about, I was like, who is this woman? Who is this shining woman, this beautiful face? Like immediately this word that I shared with you last time we talked, charisma, which is from also uh, my, my Greek language came to my mind. This is the word that I associate with you. And I say, I will talk to her on Salt the Podcast one day. Like I already knew it's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm really looking forward to um yeah to talk to you and and see all the things how much you've changed i mean if somebody i mean obviously i already introduced you there's so much to say about you but there's so much more that we didn't say and you have evolved so much in your life professionally personally from the things that you've shared so i'm really excited to 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 know what this is all about And I want to start with actually asking you about Replenish Me, because this is what you're doing right now and unlearning labels. And I want us to start with this. Yeah, before I, before I get into the Replenish Me and the unlearning labels, that book I wrote in 2018. So, you know, just to give some perspective on growth, um, that has been a while. And Replenish Me, I would say, was born out of that process I was going through um, at that time. So some of the unresolved grief that I allude to there is, you know, just finally processing um, my father's death after 20 years. And so that was just the beginning of the discovery of the unresolved emotions. And it really just came to a head, I would say, the summer of 2019. And that's when I created Replenish Me, where I felt like I had gotten to a point where I was just existing on vapors. And, um, you know, like that's in the desert, you know, when you put water, like you can keep putting water and <laughs> just steam comes up. That was me. And so I thought, wow, this is, I help, you know, people to create a, a sustainable system of self-nurturing. And here I am at loss, at a loss for myself. And so what would it be like if I were my client to pour back into me? And um, so I had to go into the woods and uh, I, I went on a hike with strangers, a really dangerous, adventurous stuff, depending on your worldview. And uh, yeah, so I was in this place with no signal on a big rock um, and in the water hole. And I was sitting on the rock and I felt like this feels like a system reboot. So if I were to really 
power myself up, what would that be like? And so I thought of myself as a sponge to soak up all the goodness, you know, uh, that I require. And the things that I have to pour back into my core would be like, you know, first of all, releasing, you know, I, I would have to get rid of all the things that were holding me down and, and actually taking my life force away. Then I would have to really decide what I truly value and pour in the pieces of self-compassion, self-forgiveness, and, um, and what would that be like? That would mean that all the habits I have, I'd have to tweak them, you know, kind of restructure them. And, and I was always thinking not from like the structural viewpoint of like a skeletal system, but of your spiritual system, right? The words you say, they, they're what build your spiritual system. So like when you're like, oh man, I'm on vapors. Oh, don't say that. I'm not on vapors. I say, I have the energy and the capacity for what I require right in this moment. So just developing that practice of changing my vocabulary and, um, and really honing that into what I call a sanctuary. So does that make sense? Or am I sounding very abstract? <laughs> you know, everybody takes whatever they need from what you're saying. So to me, it makes sense. So in that space, you know, of rebuilding my core um, from changing my vocabulary consciously, changing my vocabulary consciously, cross-examining my choices, my actions, and then just practicing that within me. And sometimes it would like kind of, uh, I would do it in public, right? So like I would do that in front of, you know, close friends or my family, you know, my spouse, people that were, you know, they were expecting me to be a certain way. And then all of a sudden I wasn't that certain way. And it was just like, they felt very uncomfortable with it. And so the next step of that is me dealing with the fact or understanding that that's their choice on how to receive me. It's also my choice on how to receive them. Do I, you know, and then I have to ask myself, am I staying in my truth or am I going back to my pattern of pleasing? And so the more I made the choice of staying in my truth, you know, some people still are in my life and some people are not. Some people who had like gone to the peripheral, you know, like the corners of my life came back, you know? And so that's the essence of Replenish Me. Yes. And you turned it into a, a coaching program, right? Yep. Yes. And what about unlearning labels, which is one of the newer things that you're doing? Unlearning labels, yeah, was one of the truths that was born out of replenishing myself, you know, so out of that self-awareness, what is it that I want to amplify in the world? 
So I think the summit after the summit I did with you, I met uh, uh, Mira and Peter Griffiths. And uh, we just knew that we wanted to do something together. I was on their podcast. They were on my podcast, but that wasn't enough. We were like, we're meant to do something greater. Let's just keep talking. And so their mindset coaches, and as you can see, I'm like an emotional wellness coach. And we had spoken in a diversity, equity, and inclusion summit. And we were like, how does this really connect? And, you know, so just like replenish me, it's like when you, you know, just encouraging leaders, people who run organizations to be conscious in how they create their pal- their policies so that they're not you know making policies based on the labels right yes you want to be inclusive and have people who are handicapped people who are you know different gender identifying and have different religions and all the things but it's so much deeper than that when you're running an organization because in order to get all those, all that diversity of thought, those people have to feel like they belong there. So it's in order to create that psychological safety, you have to, for yourself, unlearn labels and for your organization, amplify what that feels like and what that is like. And so that is the focus of our podcast. And that's also, we're now doing workshops with organizations and so that's the, po- the focus of our, our organizational uh, offerings. Yeah. Nice. And Cordelia, how do organizations that you work with take this unlearning labels? Because there's, of course, this thing of, okay, everybody now talks about diversity, inclusion, equity. It's like a buzzword, intersectionality, so on and so forth. And to me, it's like, I wonder how much of that is genuine, you know, we all know about tokenism, we all know about, okay, let me do that uh, research, or let me pretend that I'm this, so I can grow my, my, my income, my revenue, so on and so forth, like, how genuine are the people that you're working with? And how yeah. much resistance is there? Because sometimes it's also the, the CEO who decides that you have to do the training, and you're like, oh my god, I just want to make money, I don't want to sit in any training, you know? Yeah, so we don't, if, if we get an organization that's like, we just need to tick boxes, that's a no for us. You know, we're trying to make an impact on humanity. So we don't want, you know, box tickers. We want people that genuinely see like my bottom line is totally suffering. You know, I think the summit that you and I were in was surrounding working moms, right? because we just lo- we lost all these women that work for us. You know, what do I have to do to like revamp our policies so that we can be more welcoming to working moms because like oh my gosh, Stella was amazing and now like Stella's not here, you know. Um so those are the kind of organizations that we work with. The resistance factor, you know, there's always one person, right? <laughs> Yes, of course. <laughs> like, and it's good to have a challenge and to change somebody. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, you know, we throw it back on them. Ultimately, it's their responsibility. You yeah. know, either you want to be part of the solution or you want to be part of the problem. Okay. Then the last time we talked, um, we had a very long conversation, which we didn't expect. <laughs> we talked about sexuality, or let's say you talked about sexuality. You shared some thoughts with me. And 
I want to talk today with you about sexuality. I want to hear. No, I actually want to say, can we speak about sexuality? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's a, a really misunderstood topic and people, um, you know, even if you have kids nearby, it's okay to listen to this with their, with your kids, because this is part of the problem. You know, it's, it's been made so taboo when in fact, without um, sex, none of us would be here. Right. So, um, and a lot of the um, harm that happens happens because, you know, women or men or boys or girls are not uh, educated, you know? So, yes. yeah. And also going back to what you said earlier is you talked about working moms, you talked about um, how the workplace has to value us, so on and so forth. We are actually producing the workforce. Yeah, Like we are doing the reproductive labor, the reproductive work. And if right. we were not doing it, there wouldn't be any workforce in the first place. Yes. And this is something that, you know, in many countries, you don't get paid for it. You don't get appreciated for it. Many companies consider you as a burden. Yes. To, uh, to just add something to what you just said. So then, you know, the other part of it is I, I don't want to make this one-sided, right? Because... It, it does take sperm in order to make people. Um, so some companies are shaming the dads from taking paternity leave. And, you know, actually there's a lot of studies, neuroscience, everybody loves neuroscience, right? So there's a lot of studies now coming out that a child that has both the mother and father present, you know, in that first two years of life, they tend to be more well-adjusted than the ones that identify, you know, mostly with one parent over the other, you know, and just de developmentally, both parents should be there. So working dads and working moms need to be valued equally, you know? Yes. Or even working partners, right? Because families is not always father and mother. It can be father and father, mother yes. and mother. That is also very important to to recognize. And I see a lot of organizations now also um, understanding that and, and changing also the language they use in their HR policy. So you speak with your, because you have six children, yes, all kinds of ages. So you do speak with them about sexuality. I do. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, I think partially... I'm trying to think that, well, first of all, if they come to me and ask questions, that's usually how I'll start. And that's what for me determines which age I would start to talk to them about it. Um, above and beyond that, you know, Islamically, my daughters need to understand why do I need to wear a hijab? So leading up to puberty, I'm going to start talking about, you know, what that's all about. And, you know, there's different hygiene, you know, that changes for both girls and boys. So from that perspective, I have to talk about, you know, their reproductive organs, whether it's a boy or a girl. And then I have to, you know, and the thing I feel again, is like a lot of times the hijab is, is introduced to girls as you need to hide your body 
so that boys don't look. Well, because I have boys and I have to also tell them to guard your gaze and don't objectify females, right? Um, then the message to the girls is, you know, it's not about protecting yourself from someone's ogling eyes. It's about you saving what is beautiful and, um, you know, most valuable, you know, for those who deserve to see that, right? Everybody doesn't deserve to see the beautiful parts of you, you know? So, um, and just honoring coming to that realization for their own as their body changes and, and also helping in both cases, whether, you know, my, my male and female children, not to have the body dysmorphia surrounding modesty, you know? So all those things play part in understanding our sexuality. And, you know, I feel that your sexuality is the human side of your spirituality, right? So at the beginning, I was talking about me being in my soul and spiritual self, right? So in our soul self, we don't have a body. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> no clothes. <Woo-hoo>! Right. But um, <laughs> so like on our human side, we actually have a body and um, we, those, you know, emotions and chemicals in our, you know, bodies known as hormones, they, they give rise to certain feelings, right? And so they have to be expressed that expression comes from the connection you have spiritually and with your soul self, you know? So once that is aligned, then, you know, your choices surrounding speaking your truth, right? And um, what, what you uh, understand to be pleasurable, right? And communicating what you understand to be pleasurable and even exploring what you understand as being pleasurable all comes into play. And just being really comfortable with who you are, how you speak, and how you, you know, share yourself with the world. So um, I think those are kind of the foundational pieces of my worldview on sexuality, you know. Um, and then above and beyond that. From that place, again, instead of a place of shame, like understanding the depth of the, the, the beauty and perfectness of your soul, being in a place to identify who deserves to share that space with you, literally that space with you, because when you choose to have intercourse, you are making a connection between worlds. That's a portal between worlds. We already said, right? Because here's the thing, there is a spiritual connection being made every time you have intercourse, whether it's, you know, vaginal, you know, or not, there is some kind of spiritual connection being made. And um, you have to choose wisely who, who gets that privilege. Since we were talking already about your kids, how do you raise them? What are the things that are important for you? Hmm. You know, emotional wellness and um, and creating internal psychological safety 
Um, I, I mean, of course, I've been a mother for like 21 years, so it's evolved over time. Okay. <laughs> In the beginning, it was just like, um, I cared a lot about compassion. You know, then I cared a lot about um, belief. And then I cared a lot about, you know, what builds confidence. But now, you know, with all the work that I'm doing and all the things that I'm doing and all the changes, I feel like, you know, going back to creating a sanctuary within yourself, I encourage them to know what psychological psychological safety looks like for them individually so that they can express it and tell others, you know, my youngest one, you know, all my kids are highly intelligent and I'm not being biased because <laughs> mothers don't do that. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, even at her young age, you know, she's seven, I, I just really encourage them to build that vocabulary and communication to let people know what their boundaries are, you know, and that's how they know what makes them safe. And that's how they can enforce, you know, their, their own safety and know what they're going to put up with and what they're not going to put up with. And, um, and also that allows them an opportunity to love themselves. Um, one of the things I, I love is when I'll be like, okay, guys, it's dinner time, right? And maybe I made the choice to have dinner 30 minutes early. And they'll tell me what their boundaries are. Look, mom, it's not dinner time for me. My body doesn't need food yet, right? Now, probably there are some parents listening right now and they're like, your kids are spoiled rotten. However, my kids are very healthy and they are very aware of nutrition and very aware of their body's needs, right? Like this may be of interest, you know, one of my sons when he was 13 and anyone who has a 13 year old boy knows how hard it is to get them to take a shower, realized that the more often he took showers, the better he felt and the easier it was for him to think clearly and make good choices. So he chose to make, you know, make time in his schedule because he said, you know what, mom, actually I was forgetting to take a shower, but now I know how much better I feel and think I'm going to actually schedule that. So, you know, that's how I raised my kids. Who has been your soul, Cordelia? Who inspired you? Well, today it's you, Stella. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, really. I, I enjoy your Instagram feed, actually. I enjoy your podcast. You know, um, I, I really guard my heart and my, my mind. And I don't listen to every single podcast. I don't think there's value in listening to all those people, you know, And it's not even because I had my own podcast for a long time. It's just because I value quality conversation and quality, quality information. And most importantly, the energy of the person, right. Or the people having the conversations. So um, like in this moment, your answer is you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Cordelia. And again, you show actually what you shared also with me in the beginning, being in the now, right? In, in yes. the moment. Thank <laughs> you. This is very beautiful what you said. Not just because you said it's me, but 
everything what you said. It's yeah. it's very nice. And to whom do you want to pass the salt? And what do you want to say to them? Okay. It's really about what do you want to leave behind? It goes in line a little bit with the ask before the advocating. It's like, to whom do you want to pass the salt? Because salt, the podcast, it's about being the salt. Salt is universal. We are the salt. But we want to pass the salt because we want to elevate a new generation. So is there someone specific maybe that you want to pass the salt to, that you want to say something to? Or is there a group of people or... Is it the earth, the world? I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, again, you know, I would say my kids, all of them, my my daughters and my sons, I'd like to pass the salt to them. And what I always tell them is to be the light. Um, don't look for the light, be the light. It's their birthright and it's also their choice. So, yeah. And is there a question that you want to ask me? <laughs> I want to ask you a question. What is your worldview on sexuality and, and feminism? And are they related for you? Is that three questions or is that one? That's a lot what you <laughs> okay. asked. And, uh, you know, I'm a feminist and I'm studying actually gender studies. So I could give you a big answer. But um, maybe I answer the, 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 the because I can talk a lot about feminism. And yeah, maybe I go with the sexuality one. And of course, it's related with feminism, absolutely. And maybe my answer will be a feminist answer, let's say. Yes, I find it very important to speak about sexuality, to speak about sexuality in a good way, in, in a healthy way, because I feel like there are these two extremes in our society that on the one hand, it's about go out there and have sex with everybody and uh, the whole porn industry and blah, blah, blah. Of course, I I'm not judging right now. I'm just saying what what is kind of shown very often through the media. And then on the other hand, sex is a taboo. It's a sin. It's something bad. We don't talk about it, the whole shaming thing around it. And I really want to, and it maybe goes in line also with what you said earlier. For me, it's so important to teach my kids and anybody that sex is something beautiful, that it's something that we need, most of us at least. It's it's nothing bad It's also about loving yourself, connecting with another person. And um, it's something that we have to talk about because, yeah, I'm, I mean, I have four kids and I'm already, okay, with the little one, I'm not talking with her about it. She's <laughs> one. But with the boys, I do talk about sexuality with them. They know how babies are being produced. And um, the other day, for instance, they were saying the word vagina because they heard it somewhere and they were kind of vagina <laughs> doing like kind of this and I say and then I repeated the word three times and I say to them why is it so weird to say that word all of you came out of there and it's a part of of my body like why is it normal for you guys to say penis and why is it weird to say vagina you know it's this whole thing of the part of the woman is this hidden part or is whatever we can put all kinds of adjectives so I'm openly talking to them about things and I've talked to them about their body and I tell them, don't let anybody touch you. You know, there are people out there who might want to touch your body and this is not good, you know. So I try, obviously they're still young, but I, I try to address all these kind of things with them, you know, because I don't want them to have this shame on them, that they have to be ashamed of their feelings, their emotions, of their body, 
Um, I want them to know about things because if I don't tell them, maybe someone else will tell them and will tell them something wrong or will do something wrong to them and then they think this is normal. So for me, it's so important. You know, I talk to them about women, not all of them, but most of them maybe having the period. So there are many things that, that I share with them in their own language, let's say. And sometimes my partner's like, really? You will talk now about this as well? But for me, it's important. And I want my kids to hear these things from me. And I want to be honest with them. You know, if they ask me a question, I will answer the question. And um, yeah, I want to have this relationship with them, you know. And yes. And I, I tell them that they're beautifully made, that their bodies are beautiful, and um, that that they're worth it. Like what I said earlier, for me, it's really the emphasis on, on the worth, that you are worth it. And um, yes. so. I'm thinking now if I answered your question, I think I did. But if there's anything else that uh, I want to say, yeah. I love that answer. And I love that you're talking to your boys um, about that. You made me think, I'm like, wait, have I really done that with my boys? I kind of think like, I think on some level I have, because one of them asked me a question one day about um, why I'm not praying. And so I was like, I had to explain, mm. you know, like when it's that time of the month, we don't pray, yeah. you know? And so, um, yeah, it's, uh, that is really important and making, uh, boys aware of, uh, oh, that's what, that's what it was. Yeah. When you were talking about, uh, this is where they came out of. Yeah. My, my kids freak out all the time. I'm like, well, you know, six people hadn't crawled out of my, <laughs> they're like, mom. I'm like what you got one you know it's like, but i mean i've I, I have to tell you i've even shown them photos of women giving birth oh okay. because i was uh doing a project at my university about visual images and i chose to choose an image of a woman giving birth home birth with doula with many people around this community kind of birthing that the non-medicalized way yeah. and uh, i showed it to them and of course the first they were like oh and then now they see the image and it's like, yeah, as a woman giving birth, you know. And I also have already told them if if someone says, don't touch me, and if it's even like, it doesn't have to be in a sexual way, you know, like right. holding the hand or whatever, I tell them, no means no. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean maybe. It doesn't mean, okay, ask me again. No is no, because this is really important for me. I was raised in a shaming culture, you know, and that did a lot of damage to me. And I don't want my kids to, to, grow up like this i want them to know about things and be open and i always tell them come to me first ask me the question don't be ashamed of whatever it is we're going to figure it out you know so yeah let's see they're still young so <laughs> i love that you know and you're planting the seeds now and i want to speak life into your life with your children that they continue to have that open communication with you and that you just have that deeper connection as they get older Thank you, Cordelia. Thank you so much for our conversation. And yes, I want to honor somebody, a woman at the end of my podcast, as I always do, Naira Waid. She's one of my favorite poets. And actually, one of her books is called Salt. Um, mm -hmm. After I had named my podcast Salt, I had her book in my hand and I was like, oh my God, her book is Salt. I knew that her book was Salt because I've been reading it. But then it kind of like... Oh, I chose that name. Yeah, and she has been described as one of the most famous poets on Instagram. 
Her poetry focuses on identity, feminism, race, love. And I want to read one of her poems. Usually her poems are very short. It says, apologize to your body. Maybe that's where the healing begins. And the poem is mm. starting. Apologize starting. to your body. Maybe that's where the healing begins. Starting. Mm. So yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you so much for speaking with us. I will upload your information on my Instagram, on my website. And thank you to everybody for listening. Follow me on Instagram under Salt the Podcast. Contact me if you want to be on the show. And yes, if you want to show me some love, you can write a nice review for me on Apple iTunes. Thank you so much, everybody. And yes, until the next time. Something that is loved is never lost. I'm Stella Sagliari, and this is Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast. Salt the Podcast.